Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. And grab your Bibles and go to John chapter 5. John chapter 5. We're going to take a look this evening at the healing of the lame man at the pool of Bethesda. Jesus wants to touch your life tonight. Jesus wants to touch your life tonight. <laughs> and tomorrow night too. He wants to touch you every day. It wants to impart supernatural life. You know, I forgot to mention earlier, speaking of healing and supernatural life, uh, be praying for Vera Hunt and uh, Ray Austin. Ray is uh, in the hospital this evening with dehydration, and Vera has to have her gallbladder taken out. So uh, she's waiting on the doctors to let her know when she can have that done. So be praying for them. Uh, they need healing. And Jesus can do it. <laughs> Jesus can come and heal them, and he can come and give the, wis the wisdom to the doctors they need to do the job they need to do. So we pray for them uh, for healing and for God's direction. John chapter 5. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, sometimes I just have to give way to the Holy Spirit, you know, he starts poking, poking at you, and you're like, okay, I'll, I'll listen, I'll listen, I'll listen. Thank you, Lord. You know, uh, you know, on Sunday, I made reference in the middle of the message, I felt like the Holy Spirit just, you know, if you ever had one of those moments where the Holy Spirit just kind of grabs you by your shirt collar and jerks your attention, Get your, get your attention. Sometimes I feel like he does that when I'm preaching. And, uh, you know, you're preaching, and you're preaching the word, and you're, you're flowing, and then sometimes he, he stops you right in the middle of what you're hearing and preaching and teaching and says, okay, I got something a little bit deeper. I've got a word for somebody right now, and this is, and that's kind of what happened on Sunday. Uh, and I really felt like God was uh, speaking to someone specific about uh, stop tormenting yourself. <laughs> Stop vac uh, vacillating between decisions. Just make a decision. You know what God's called you to do. Do it, and uh, stop tormenting yourself. And I, I just want to, I just want to segue on that because I feel like, uh, I, you know, I feel like that uh, for someone, you know, you heard you what you were. That person, you're here tonight. <laughs> you're back again. Thank you, Jesus. You didn't get run off by that word, and so you're back again tonight. And, uh, and the Holy Spirit is yet again <laughs> stopping me. And uh, this is for you. you. You heard it on Sunday, and now you're going to hear it again. Uh, and, and this time, I, I just feel like the Lord is saying to you this, to be encouraged. Uh, that the decisions that you've made and the things that you begin to put in place in your life, it's step by step, step by step. To trust him, uh, you know, you've begun to make those decisions. You get, you've begun to put your foot, one foot in front of the other, baby step after baby step. And uh, you're not sure what, what it's all going to look like. And you might just be trusting, trusting the word of your pastor, <laughs> saying stop vacillating and trust God. You know, whatever the case is. But you've begun to put baby step after baby step. And uh, I just feel like the Lord would say to you tonight to be encouraged. 
that he's faithful to his word. He's faithful to what he's promised. And uh, if that's you, uh, just know that God is able. The Bible says that he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. And uh, if, you're, if you're yielded to him, and you're, obviously you are, you're making these baby steps, God is able to complete the work that he has started. So just trust him and uh, watch what God will do in your life. It's going to be incredible. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be uncomfortable. It's going to be uncomfortable, but trust him because it's going to be good. It's going to be, it's going to be beyond your wildest dreams. But uh, it's going to be, it, there will be moments of, of it being uncomfortable, and it will be challenging. But if, how many of you know, if, it, if you could do it in your own strength, it wouldn't take God, and it wouldn't take supernatural. So, so when it's beyond your ability and beyond your control, that's when God begins to step in and do something supernatural. So be encouraged. John chapter 5. So I, I believe that word, that was a, that's, I, I think that's the first time I've ever had that happen, where God stops me twice and has a follow-up word to his word previous. So... I don't know who you are. I'd love to know who you are because uh, <laughs> I'd like to know what the story is. Uh, just out of pastoral curiosity, I would like to know what the story is. <laughs> but John chapter 5, verse 1 says, After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, you have to just picture this scene for a moment. Jesus is in Jerusalem at the time of the feast. Could have been the Feast of Pentecost or the Feast of Tabernacles. We're not quite sure, but it really doesn't matter. Uh, if it mattered, I would imagine that the Holy Spirit would ensure that it was notated here what feast it was. But regardless of what feast it was, uh, being that they're in Jerusalem for a feast means that there's a lot of people around. There's a lot of people in town for the feast and the festivities, just like uh, any other festival. You know, if you have a uh, whatever kind of festival you have, people come in town for that festival, and that's kind of the scene that's happening here. So there's a lot of people in town, and uh, we find, we pick up this story at a very important place. It says, now, there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. And in these lay a great multitude. Now let me let me pause before I go on to verse three. It says, "Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool." Now, this location of this pool, where this is located, is not far from the temple. And so, there's a. If you can get this scene with me, there's a lot of people in town for a feast, and they're going to the temple for the feast and the celebration. There's a lot of activity that's going on around the temple, and here's this pool of Bethesda that is not far uh, from the temple. We actually pick this up later where it, where it says that there's priests uh, nearby watching. So we know that, that this pool is a specific pool. It's nearby the temple. There's a lot of activity happening. And it says here that the name of this pool or the name of this area was called Bethesda. Now the word Bethesda means house of mercy. So here we have the middle of, of, of the temple, in the middle of this place, this House of mercy. How many of you know that when you're sick, when you feel uh, depressed or discouraged, that God brings you to a place of mercy in your life? He wants to pour out His mercy on your life, a place of healing, a place of restoration. The, the 
word Bethesda also means pouring forth. And so to me, it, it, this, this, temp, this uh, pool by the temple begins for me to signify this river of the Holy Spirit, this person of the Holy Spirit that's being poured forth in this house of mercy. The Holy Spirit being poured out. The Bible says that He's a river of life. The river of the Holy Spirit is not just the, uh, the substance of a river. The river is a person. The river of the Holy Spirit is a person. It's the, the life of God flowing from the temple. The Bible says in Ezekiel 47 that everything will live wherever the river goes. There's healing uh, for the nations, the Bible says. The trees that, that grow along the sides or the banks of the river. There's healing for the nations in the trees. So there is life and healing where this river flows. This place of Bethesda is a picture of the river of the Holy Spirit touching and changing lives. And here around Bethesda, we read on in verse 3, it says, In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed. They were waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? The King James Version says, Wilt thou be made well? I, I like that in the uh, King James. Wilt thou be made whole? <laughs> it's, got, it's got a good solid ring. Wilt thou be made whole? I can just picture Jesus speaking in King James English. Wilt thou be made whole? And the sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. And the Jews therefore said to him, Who is cured? It is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. And he answered them, verse 11, He who made me well said to me, Take up your bed and walk. A couple of things that I want to point out here. Of course, I already referenced Bethesda and the place of the river. It's a place of healing, a place of freedom. The Holy Spirit is righteousness, peace, and joy. The kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And so this river that flows, symbolic here by this place of Bethesda, the Holy Spirit, this pool of healing waters, is righteousness, peace, and joy for your life. If you feel like you're struggling in your life tonight with areas of righteousness, the Holy Spirit can empower you to get out of that sin and that muck and that mire. Maybe you're feeling uh, anxiety in your life or fear or depression. Guess what? The Holy Spirit wants to come and get you out of your depression and your fear and your anxiety. The Bible says in Romans 8, 26 that He is our helper. We don't know how we ought to pray, but the Holy Spirit our helper comes and intercedes through us. That word helper in Romans 8.26 is the Greek word sunantilambanamine. Yeah. Not praying in tongues. It's Greek and it's a, it's a, it's a uh, 
compound word that Paul basically made up and said, you, you are my helper. It's the picture. The picture there is this. It is uh, the Holy Spirit. I like to use the example of a lifeguard. When someone's drowning out in the ocean and the lifeguard sees them drowning, what does he do? He takes off running after them. He brings his lifeguard, whatever those things are, and he goes running after them and wrestles with them until they get to safety. And that's the picture of the Holy Spirit in that verse, that the Holy Spirit, as we pray in the Spirit, as we begin to pray and depend upon the Holy Spirit. He wrestles with us until we get into a safe place, until we're a place of security. And so maybe you're depressed or discouraged or worried about the situation you're facing. The Holy Spirit will help you through that, bring you through. That is what Bethesda, this place of healing, is all about. This lame man is laying there trying to get in the pool and nobody's helping him in. But Jesus comes along. Here's Jesus. Come, he's come into this place where all a great multitude of sick people are lying. It's interesting that uh, here's Jesus walks into where all the sick people are, but there's no record. There's no, there's no mention that any of them actually go to Jesus. None of them. Here's Jesus, the healer, the one that can resurrect the dead. Here's the one that can heal the blind eyes. Here's the one that can, whatever ailment or disease they're facing, none of them make their way to Jesus. They're all focused on when's the angel coming to stir the water. Oh God, help us that we don't get our eyes fixated on the things of this life and miss the moment when Jesus shows up. Oh, y'all just missed a good opportunity to shout. God, help us that we don't, we don't miss when Jesus shows up in the middle of our situation. We, you know, he, <laughs> we, often, we often expect that God's going to do it our way. And when Jesus comes walking through the colonnades and the water hasn't been stirred how we think it ought to be, we, we miss out on our opportunity for healing. We miss out on our opportunity for a miracle. I, one thing that I do find interesting here is that they were all, all these sick people were waiting for the moving of the water. And, and when I read that, the Holy Spirit just leapt that in my, it leapt that, the words off the page in my spirit. That this is a picture of our generation. That we have, there, are, there are many, 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 many who are lame, who are paralyzed, who are suffering spiritually and mentally and physically, and, and who are laying by the place of healing. They're coming to churches that have no, no life. The water's not been stirred. There, there's people that are hungry, that are thirsty for something real, and there's, there's no substance. There's nothing. And they're sitting around waiting for the water. They're looking for the waters to be stirred. There's, there's a generation, I believe, that's rising up now, that there's, there's a people that are being stirred now. Even as we speak, there's, there's, a, there's a remnant. There's, I, don't, I don't know whatever you want to call it, but there's a, there's a people that are hungry and desperate for more of the Lord, for, for revival, for an awakening in our time. In our period, there's a, there's a people that are sick of hearing about what Jesus did in some other country, and they've come to the water to see something fresh and something new, and they're, they're sick, they're lame, they're diseased, and they're just waiting for the waters. They're waiting for the rivers of revival to flow through their life. And uh, I believe that Jesus is walking in. You know, that's, that's, really, that's really what we need. We need Jesus to begin to walk in and minister to the hurting, to the broken. And even, you know, even our own lives. We, we, 
It's easy to begin to look at the sick and the hurting and the broken that are around us, but, oh God, help us not to forget what needs to be done in my life. Oh God, help, help me not to forget that I need to be continually transformed. I need to continually dip in the waters of renewal. I need to continually feast on, on Jesus and His life that He offers to me. He goes on in John chapter 5, they're, they're waiting for the moving of the water. Jesus comes in and he saw the man sitting there. This man had been suffering for 38 years. He had been suffering for 38 long years, not, not been able to get well, not been able to get a job, not been able to take care of his family, not been able to deal with the circumstances of life. He's, he's tried to get in the pool. He's tried to get healing. He's tried, he's tried everything he knows to do. And when he tries to get in, he's rejected. Nobody wants him. Nobody will help him. He says, no man. When Jesus said, what, wilt thou be made well? Wilt thou be made whole? He says, no man, Jesus, nobody's here to help me. And, and this sense of rejection, you can begin to feel almost this man's sense of rejection and his brokenness and the hurt and the pain that he's carrying. Not only does he have these physical infirmities, he's hindered as a man to do what a man does and take care of his family and take care of his kids or whatever the situation might be. He's been, he's been lame. He can't do it. And when he goes to get help, nobody will even help him. Maybe you felt that way before. You felt like not only are you sick or diseased or hurting or broken, but nobody knows, nobody understands, nobody cares. And if, if by some chance you've never felt that for yourself, I pray that maybe by the grace of God you might be able to understand what this man was feeling and understand what those around you might be going through when they're hurting and they're broken and depressed and somebody doesn't reach out and love on them. And here's Jesus he goes right to the man. The man wasn't looking for Jesus. The man wasn't searching for Jesus. The man made no attempt to get Jesus' attention. But Jesus saw him. Jesus sees where you're at tonight. Jesus sees the brokenness in your life. He sees the situations you may be facing. He sees your family. He sees the need. And he understands. He cares. And he's coming to you. And it's not about the angel in the middle of, of you know, like Naaman wanted. He wanted the prophet to come out and wave his hand and do some big sign. No, that wasn't about that. It was just the encounter with Jesus. That's really all that you need is just that moment in his presence and the healing waters begin to flow. It's not about the physical waters of Bethesda. It wasn't about the natural waters that was before the man or the, or the angel that came and stirred them. No, it was about Jesus walking in. Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the one that's sitting in heaven right now pouring out the Holy Spirit on you and I. It's, gee, it is, it is, yeah, haha, soko braba. See, it is the ministry of Jesus that he pours out the Holy Spirit on you and I. That's, that's what he's doing tonight that's what that right now right now if you were to get a if you if we could just open up the ceiling of our church and begin to gaze in and you know we always think heaven's up so you know we be, we, we gaze in into the realm of heaven we begin to look and see what's happening right now is you have the father on the throne and Jesus uh, I don't know what how all that looks and interacts I just know that the father's there Jesus is there and out of that throne is pouring out the holy spirit on you and I I I, that's that's oh she cabroso yeah I more 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 that's that's all I can say more Lord <laughs> I, I I don't need the natural waters of Bethesda I need the waters of the Holy Spirit you you all think I've gone crazy tonight I know 
<laughs> Whew. I'll get mine and take yours too. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll enjoy your blessing, my blessing. I'll just get it all. I want all that God has for me. This man was sitting there looking to be healed. Jesus comes to him. You know, I, I wonder what went through this man's mind every time he saw someone else get healed. Have you ever been there where someone else gets the blessing, someone else gets, gets ministered to, someone else gets the breakthrough, somebody else? It's all, and that, that moment of disappointment, well, God, I don't understand. God, I don't understand why, why, they, why that happened for them and you're not doing it for me. God, why? You know, we had a, we had a situation a few years back one of, our, one of our key leaders in our church, our young adult ministry, she was 30, 30 she was young, 30-something, 30 32, 33 years old, mm-hmm, 38, you know, she was young, 38, faithful, faithful leader in the church, and uh, she, was, she had just started dating one of the guys in the church, and it was a precious, precious couple, I mean, it was all great, and... Uh, she had. She came down with cancer, and it was that was a. It was such a heavy, 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 heavy situation to walk through. Heather, you know, being, you know, as young adults pastor, walking her through death and you know what would come, you know, as a 38 year old facing death and walking her through that. And and I remember, you know, that was a that was a hard. It was hard seeing her. She was a teacher at our school. You know, she was faithful. You know, every year she would do the Cajun Christmas on, and all the kids would come gather around her, and she would do the. If you've never heard the, you've probably never heard the Cajun Christmas. It's very Cajun, uh, but it's cute. It's very cute, and she'd have all the kids, and you just you have to. Maybe sometime we'll play it for you. It's cute, but um, you know, in the middle of that situation, you see her struggling, and see the family, and all that they went through, and then at the same time, while all of this is happening, we had a new young lady walk into our church. She was probably in her 30s, same age. She walked in, walked in off the street, walked into a service, came into our service, walks up for prayer at the end for, for she had a brain tumor and breast cancer. Walks up for prayer. Falls, she, the power of God hit her. She falls on the floor. She gets up. The next day she goes to the doctor. The brain tumor's gone. The breast cancer's gone. Everything clear. It was awesome testimony. It's awesome. But on the back side of that, we're looking as pastors saying, God, I don't understand you. And it wasn't long after that, that that our friend died. And you look at that situation, you say, God, now I don't understand this. <laughs> In my natural mind, I got a little bit of disappointment here, Jesus. I don't understand this. This, this lady who's been faithful to your house, this lady who's served and served and is faithful going through all this suffering. But then you got this lady over here who's fresh in the doors, gets healed of brain tumor and breast cancer. You know, sometimes we don't always understand why and how God works and the sovereignty of God. You know, our friend got an ultimate healing. And I don't say that just to be Christianese. She really did get her ultimate healing. She's, she's, she's dancing in heaven right now. She's enjoying, she's enjoying the reality of what we preach and teach. She really did. 
But in those moments where you don't understand and you become disappointed, it's in those moments that Jesus showing up is the only thing that will matter. It's in those moments where, you know, I don't understand this situation. Why is this person? Why? I don't understand. The only thing that will resolve that, it doesn't matter, you know, how great of Christian friends that are around you and tell you all the great things you need to hear. And they, they'll tell you the word and, and encourage and keep you grounded in the word. And, you know, all that's important. You come to church, you hear great, but all that's wonderful. But when you're in the thick of it, the only thing that really matters is when Jesus shows up in that situation. I can tell you all the right things, and people can tell you all the right things, and you can hear all the right songs, and it can be in you, and all that's important, and we need it. But the only thing that will sustain you is when Jesus shows up and says, Wilt thou be made whole? Wilt thou be made whole? So this man, he suffered in 38 years. Jesus shows up. Will you be made whole? And the very thing he says, I, I don't have anybody... I don't have anybody to help me in. I would imagine that Jesus already knew that. <laughs> don't you? I would imagine that Jesus had already figured out that, that he had no one to help him in. Thus, he had not been healed. Jesus knew about his disappointments. Jesus knew about his emotional wounds. Jesus knew about his rejection. Jesus knew about all of that. I'm reminded this term, it started off with there was a great multitude. And, and thinking about this man makes me think about... The, five, the feeding of the 5,000. You know, here's Jesus and, and, and the 5,000 people all scattered. And he, the Bible says that he was moved with compassion for them. He was moved to innermost being for these people. And so much so that he heals them. He takes time. Can you imagine 5,000 people sitting in church and he goes through one by one 5,000 people and begins to heal them? That's going to take a long time. That's, that's a long time. That's going to probably take you all day. If not, if not more, it's going to take you a long time to get through 5,000 people. And by the end of the time of ministry, Jesus healing them, they're exhausted. They're hungry. They haven't ate. The people haven't ate. They've been sitting there. You think you've got it bad coming to church, sitting until noon. Can you imagine sitting all day and not eating, you know? And that's kind of what, that's what happened. They've been sitting all day, Jesus ministering, and no food. They're hungry. And the disciples come to Jesus and say, hey, these people are hungry. We've got to let them go. You know, that's, uh, you know, that'd be like one of our leaders or board members come, hey, buddy, you need to let these people out of church. They need to go eat. You know, that's what they were doing. They were coming at Jesus. You better, you better let these people go. They've been here 5,000 people later. You, they need to go home. And Jesus said, no, no, that's not what we're going to do. You feed them. But Jesus, there's 5,000 people here. You just spent all day healing these people. And now we got to feed them? Okay. They all start looking at each other. How are we going to do this? I can imagine, uh, you know, Mandy and, and Jim and Gary and our different board members all looking at each other saying, oh, he fits 5,000 people. I don't know. How are we going to do that? You, you go to Sam's. I'll go to Giant Eagle. You go to, I mean, I have 5,000 people. How are we going to do this? Pastor Zach has lost his mind. <laughs> and that's really the situation that they're facing. And here comes this little boy with his loaves and fish. Jesus, this is all we got. You can send them home, or we can use this. Jesus begins to break it. 
He had compassion on the people. He was moved with compassion out of the great multitude. Here's this man who suffered, who's gone through all of these ailments. Jesus was moved with compassion for him. Will you be made whole? And, you know, I can almost hear Jesus with looking at that crowd of the 5,000 people. Will you be made whole? Will you, will you come, and, come and dine? The old hymn says, come and dine. The master calleth, come and dine. Will you feast at Jesus' table? Will you come and feast at Jesus' table? Will you come and eat? Eat the, eat the loaves, eat the fish. Will you come and allow Jesus to make you whole? Well, there, there's food, Jesus said, that you know not of. There's, there's, there's sustenance of my Father that, that you don't know anything about. Will you, will you come and eat off my table? Will you come and be restored at my table? And that's what Jesus was offering this man. Will you, will you be made whole? Will you come and eat? Will you come and drink? Will you come and be restored? And this man says, I don't have anybody to help me in. And Jesus looked at him and said, rise, take up your bed and walk. It wasn't this man's strength that got him up off the sick bed. It was the command of Jesus. It was the power of Jesus that left his lips and impacted that man's body and got him up off the sick bed. I find it interesting, though. Uh, you look at the religious response here. This is great. You know, you're breaking the law, buddy. <laughs> you're breaking the law. In other words, you know, church people have the same thing. You know, you really shouldn't do that in church. You really shouldn't get that excited. You really shouldn't do that. You really, you really, you know, you should keep your dignity. You shouldn't be getting, you know, you're sick. You need to be on the sick bed. That's what sick people do. Anybody out there? Anybody hear what I'm saying? And, and really, we do the same thing. We begin to make these religious rules. you got to look like this. you got to dress like this. you got to talk like this. you got to act like this. And, and, and all of these attempts to get to God, all the while Jesus is standing right in front of you. All the while, Jesus had just ministered, the, and, and they were doing everything they could to keep this man in bondage. That's really what religion is all about. How do we keep you in bondage? How do we keep you, uh, how do we keep you depressed? How do we keep you sad? How do we keep you... We just want to keep you... It's all really about control. How do, we, how do we control you and keep you in our little comfort zone? We don't want you getting too wild. We don't want you to... We don't want to get you too excited. I mean, Jesus, you did just get healed. We don't want you to be too excited. Why don't you get back on your sick bed? We don't want you getting too fanatical. Why don't you just get back down for a second? That's what religion does. That's bondage. But oh, when Jesus comes and he liberates you and sets you free, it, you can't help but get off your sick bed. You can't help but tell people about what God's done for you. In, in that moment of, of your weakness... When you begin to see the strength, in 2 Corinthians it says, uh, in, in, in my weakness, in my weakness, his strength is made perfect. In my, and you begin to see the strength of God made perfect in your weakness. You begin to see God glorified in the middle of your mess. Man, it, it excites you. It gets something stirred up on the inside of you that you begin to realize it's not about me. It's not about what I can do. It's not about my talents or my abilities. Listen, if I hear one more person say, I'm not talented enough. I don't, I don't have... That's a bunch of hogwash. That's religious bondage. I know you're not talented enough, and I know you don't have the skills enough. I, I know that. <laughs> we all do. We all know that you have issues. I'm preaching at you. We know you have issues. We all do. <laughs> we all have issues. If issues kept Christ 
from, from being glorified in my life, we're in a sad state of affairs in Christianity. Jesus would have never gone to the cross. The Holy Spirit would never have been poured out. We would have just been a mess. But Jesus came to be glorified in fallen man. And so just because you have a weakness, now I'm not talking about living in sin. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm, you, just because you're not skilled enough or not because you don't feel like you're talented enough, or you're good enough, guess what? God still can use you in the middle of your mess, in the middle of your weakness, in the middle of your inability. God still wants to use you. So I want to encourage you and that you need to begin to step out and trust God. You know, whether it's leading a small group or whether it's being engaged in the food pantry or going to North High or whatever it is. Do it. Just do something. Get off your sick bed. Y'all are getting quiet on me. Get off your sick bed. I'll kick you off of it if I have to. Get off the sick bed and do something. Jesus has healed you. He's restored you. Get up and do something. Well, you don't know what I've been through. You know, people have said some really bad things about me and they haven't helped me. And Has Jesus healed you? Has He restored your life? Has He done something in your life? Get up. Do something with what He's done in your life. The Samaritan woman... I think I may have mentioned this on Sunday. The Samaritan woman had been born again for five minutes, and she won her whole town. I mean, she went out, you know, when the Samaritan woman, you know when the Samaritan woman, the woman who was, you know, five husbands, and she was known around town, you know, you know when, she come, when she comes in town and says, met the man who's told me everything I've done, you know, I'm sure their ears perked up, met the man. Here she goes again. She got another man in her life. What happened to Joe? I thought she was with Joe. I thought she was living with some dude and now she's got another guy in her life not this Joe or that Joe <laughs> I thought she and no their ears perked up and they heard not because not because of the affairs or the issues of her life but there was something different about her something had changed something had changed come meet the man that's told me everything I've done he's, he's changed my life he's impacted my life get off your sick bed and do something Begin to share Christ with someone. Begin to love on the hurting. Begin to minister to the broken. That man got healed. He got off his sickbed that day, but there was still a great multitude of sick all around him. The Bible doesn't record Jesus healing any of the others. We don't know what happened. We don't know what happened to the man. We don't know. I mean, there's a lot of people there. We don't know what happened. But it was enough to agitate the religious people. Whatever happened was enough to agitate the religious and try to get them, get the man quieted down. Jesus is still saying to you, rise up and walk. Get up. Don't just be healed. Now get up and do something. Walk. Begin to put baby step. This is what we were talking about earlier. Baby step after baby step. Maybe you've tried ministry. Maybe you've tried doing something. And, and you got hurt. You got burned. Well, you don't know what happened at this church. You don't know what happened in my family. And you, Listen, I understand. People are... I mean, you're going you're gonna to have things happen. You're going to have things happen. We all have. I mean, you want to sit and compare stories? I mean, let's sit and compare stories. I mean, really. Is that, is that really what you want to do the rest of your life, though, is sit and compare the stories of how you've been hurt and how you've been wounded and how you've been broken? You want to sit and just be judgmental about everybody else and find yourself still on the sick bed? What a waste of the 
tangible anointing, the presence of God, the impact of God on your life, get up. Share Christ. Do something with what God's done in your life. Amen. Why don't you stand with me? Grace, you can come. Lord, I thank you for the man that was healed at Bethesda. <laughs> Lord, it is the place of mercy. It's the house of mercy. It's a place uh, of restoration. It's a place of healing. It's the place, Lord, of restoration. I just feel like in this room tonight, with every head bowed, every eye closed, there are those here you feel wounded. You have, you're carrying wounds. Not by even necessarily lost people. You're carrying wounds by church people. You're carrying wounds by people that you respected. I don't know that I've ever really gone this direction with this message before. I just sense that this is it's this is a word for someone specific or people specific, not necessarily one, but multiple. You're carrying the wounds and, and it's it's inhibited you, it's kept you on your sick bed. The religious leaders said, You're breaking the law. <laughs> stayed isolated to your sickbed instead of getting up. Jesus has healed you. He is healing you. Part of your healing, part of your healing and breaking free from what the religious people have done is just getting up off the sickbed. Part of your healing comes in just getting up and walking. Because you begin to see, wow, I am healed. Wow, I'm, I'm not what they said. I'm not who they said. I'm not bound to all that stuff. You begin to see the reality of what Christ spoke. He said, get up and walk. And when you walk, you see the reality of what Christ said lived out in your life. I know this is this is hitting hitting those that needs to hit. Some of you are like, okay, this is basic. Let's move on. But I'm telling you, there's people that need to hear this tonight. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You're here this evening, and and, and I, I I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but I want to be praying for you that you'll get liberty over this that you. That you get off the sick bed and walk. If you're here tonight and you just say, you know what, I, I, am, I am struggling with what religious people have said, what the religious, the religious rules, what the religious people have said. It's kept me bound. It's hurt. It's whatever. But there's a struggle that's going on in my soul because of the hurts and the offenses of what other people have said. If that's you. Would you just lift your hand? where you're at tonight. Just lift your hand. That's I'm bound by the, those things. Anyone else? Anyone else? There's several hands. You put your hands down. Anyone else? God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you. You're, you've, you've allowed the hurt of people that you've respected to, the hurtful things that people you respected to influence your life. It's kept you in bondage. Anyone else? Anyone else? 
God bless you. Put your hand down. Anyone else? Several people raise their hands. I just, it's a reality. It's a reality of life. It's a reality of life that people do things that hurt us and wound us. And if you don't forgive and get off your sickbed, you're going to stay bound to those things. And you'll never fulfill the plan of God. You'll never see, you'll never see the, the best that God has for you lived out because you're stuck. I pray for my friends that have raised their hands. Lord, you know them by name. You know the disappointments that they face. Lord, you know the rejection that they have felt. And Lord, I pray for healing tonight. Lord, let the healing balm of Gilead, as the scripture talks about that supernatural healing balm, begin to flow into their life. Lord, I sense even right now this atmosphere of healing and restoration. Lord, that you begin to move into those areas of their heart that are broken, that are wounded. Lord, that forgiveness would begin to flow in their life. Forgiveness towards you, forgiveness towards themselves, forgiveness towards others. Lord, that they would begin to get up off those sick beds and walk. Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so hard.